Hello, hello again. I just wanted to pop in here and remind you that this episode is a continuation of the last one. So if you haven't heard the first part yet, I recommend you do that before starting this one. I'll add the link in the show notes. And if you, dear listener, enjoy the show, please consider supporting it via Patreon. I cannot continue without your support and new patrons coming in. Listeners like you make this show possible. Now, on to part two. Make sure that uh, that program doesn't contain controversial subjects and uh, you're not impolite to people. No, definitely not, Dad. You know me. I'm never, (laughs) ever controversial or impolite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Welcome to Conversations with your lovable, never pisses anyone off, ex-Muslim host, Ina. Keeping it non-controversial. Peterson's griftiness is, it's just so blatant. Like he I mean, he sells be... his, he sells that stupid painting of his, <laughs> like uh, that meaning of music he was making. He was going to make like custom made like Carpets? floor mats that he was going to sell. I mean, like, it's just no shame. Yeah, he you sells know? rugs. Yeah. It's <laughs> just, I mean, I would like to do some research into the grievances that we're talking about here, but I've just been so heavily reinforced that, like, any attempt to study grievances is hugely problematic. Like, maybe we shouldn't ever talk about any of the wrong things. I mean, like, it just gets silly after a while. Like, and I I think that especially the Sokol Hoax folks do a poor job of clarifying whether they mean it's wrong to study the nature of gender or whether they mean these particular fields need reform in their open conversation about specific theories. I'm actually... The one thing I am optimistic about in this is the the coming um, article, you know, the Journal for Controversial Ideas. I think that's actually an excellent game changer for our view of things for the most part, which is that it's going to force them to put up or shut up. Wait, like, like seriously? You're looking forward oh, to this? I'm, I'm genuinely on board about this because one of two things an is An anonymous happen. academic journal? Yeah, either one of two things is going to happen, right? Either someone's going to publish some incredible ground changing, you know, fundamentally important data in this journal, and we're all going to look at it and then we're going to use it and gain knowledge, or no one's going to publish anything useful in it and it's going to be filled with a bunch of really terrible stuff, thereby confirming that there are not a bunch of secret, brilliant ideas that are being suppressed by all of academia that couldn't come forward because people were afraid of losing their careers. You know, these people that complain about losing their careers and are, are some of the most celebrated people making these well, expensive events with $500 tickets given platforms in the New York Times and things like that. That's, you know, one of the clearer things uh, that's happened is you see the people with the biggest platforms complaining about being deplatformed. But also, uh, to Aaron's point, I mean, we already have essentially the journal of controversial ideas in, in various forms out there that frequently publish pseudonymous entries from people who claim the mob has gone after them and and, all the, and and if anything, these these have shown that there aren't really any new and exciting ideas. They just publish the exact same article fifty different times, 
that all say the exact same thing. I'm a brilliant novelist, and the only reason that my novel wasn't picked up by the biggest <laughs> trade press in the United <laughs> States is because of social justice warriors. Or I'm a brilliant comedian, but the only reason I can't book any gigs is because I made a joke about black people or something like right. this. And it's and, and so I I think the second of Aaron's two scenarios will probably play out. <laughs> Uh, yeah. with the Journal of Controversial Ideas, but who knows, maybe, you know, they'll finally come up with a theory of everything, which I guess wouldn't be controversial anyway, but we <laughs> shall see. If it's the Journal of Ironic Grievance Studies, I'm happy. Like, I'm happy either way. <laughs> this is a win-win. I just sit back and wait for the winning. It, you know? it, there's no winning with these people because they're not uh, consistent or principled or self-aware, so they will easily go into that without noticing or acknowledging the irony and not acknowledging when they're proven wrong. I mean, Sokol himself came and said that the original penis hoax did not do what it claimed to do, right? Mm-hmm. And there was it's hard work changing disciplines. Um, there's lots of models. If you look at the history of uh, univer- like university disciplines, there's lots of models of how it has happened. It can happen from the inside. It can also happen from related disciplines, like there's a whole branch. But you have of, to you engage know, in philosophy of science. Exactly. Like, at like the very least. It, it happens all around us. Um, it happens from people inside disciplines and from people outside those disciplines with who engage in conversations with the disciplines that they're trying to have an impact on. Um, but it is hard work you have to yeah you have to find a way to talk to those people whose work you want to change and uh, yeah. and the hooks like that it's not so just like how they all. say right like if you want to reach out to these trump supporters or whatever calling them racist is only going to make them more racist but that never extends the other way right it's totally yeah. okay to hurl abuse and hate and mock and ridicule and call racist uh, SJWs, right? Mm-hmm. So, what if that turns them further to the left? Nobody's writing sympathetic New York Times opinion pieces on this. Some of the takes from these IDW types are like excruciating, like that, you know, climate change <laughs> denial and Holocaust denial is the same thing. Then there's this Eric Weinstein take it's time to level with millennials. You guys know all that quote-unquote woke stuff you guys talk about, the stuff you're using to tear apart millennia of oppression and or civilization? It was all made up about 20 minutes ago, and then he, like, tweets this graph where, yeah, certain terms that he searched did not exist in conversation before a certain time. I'll continue to be amazed that either Weinstein is famous, to be honest with you. Um, You know, after Eric Weinstein said that string theory was postmodern and then mm. and then after his brother Brett you know goes on about the rationalism of the third reich it's just the, they they're now they're kind of i see them like the idw like especially the weinsteins as it's kind of like the kardashians of the right in the sense that they're just famous for for being famous now you know and so maybe maybe brett weinstein is a good biologist i wouldn't know because none of the stuff that he says that he claims to base on his biological knowledge is any good and so but now just because he is in the idw and his brother's in the idw they're they're sort of go-to authorities on subjects that they clearly don't have any idea about and so again i seem that's famous because they're famous in that circle so i'm going to stick with the kardashians of the (laughs) twitter 
there's no depth to their points or criticisms. Like, just the idea that because people weren't talking about the term LGBTQ or other terms, you know, 50, 60, 80 years ago, doesn't mean that that kind of oppression didn't exist just because we didn't have the current term, the current language to describe it. I think they, they suffer from something that that a lot of academics Dunning Kruger. Well, well, yeah, but also <laughs> just that like when you're trying to continue to hold people's attention, right? You have to keep putting out new takes on various things. Maybe you don't, right? Maybe you can just be the sort of person who makes the exact same take over and over. But I feel like people, there's an urge to get outside of your lane sort of more and more to get sort of your name recognized in more conversations. Yeah. But it's just hard to know nearly enough of the things you need to know to have a decent take on a lot of these things. And so you often see people really making mistakes when they even move from, from related fields um, and try to sort of speak as experts. And that's a great point. And I, I mean, I struggle with it, certainly. Like mm -hmm. I have, as you know, lots of opinions about lots of things and some of them I'm an expert on and lots of them I'm not. Um, but the problem is when they're kind of expertise is used as a as a as a legitimizer mm -hmm. for all of their takes um so if you're an expert on evolutionary biology you know all of a sudden you have more gravitas when you're talking about immigration policy or something <laughs> and, yeah. and and that and that's i think a failure of of, of journalism as much as it's a failure of, of of you know they themselves personally um, because, you know, and it happens to me, too. I'm, I'm sometimes, you know, asked for comment on certain things that I have no more expertise. I just mouth off about it on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're asking me about classical Greek history, I actually might know more than most people. But that expertise shouldn't necessarily translate into respect automatically in other fields. Mm -hmm. Have you heard this Eric Weinstein take? Um, there are about 5K mammalian species where the only one with permanently swollen breasts breasts being sexy is essential to being human this is why stem phds are confused about why all mds and therapists are honored with the term quote-unquote doctor without additional scientific training now he's responding to or quoting a uh, a doctor who had said something. It was over the top, if I remember no, it correctly. No, it, it's a, if you're ever trying to like not have sexy thoughts, thinking about Eric Weinstein talking about swollen <laughs> breasts, like, <laughs> might do it for you. But <laughs> <laughs> but she said something like, "Don't sexualize uh, breasts. Breasts aren't sexual," or something like that. And mm -hmm. so he went the other way, saying that they are them being sexual is essential to being human, which is well, that's also an evergreen tweet that is right there. It's so ridiculous <laughs> because I mean, the, I guess gay men don't exist. Well, so should we rope that into uh, like you don't uh, breasts at the workplace are a, w a reason why men and women can't work together? Is that right? That that, is that where this is going? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's another genius IDW take, from yeah. Peterson. They're, they're so quick to like bow to nature, and this is like this is another sort of philosophical thing that I but take issue with their whole view. Even. Well, right, but like even even if we concede for the sake of right, make more than just the awkwardness of thinking about him thinking about breasts, right? Like, <laughs> let's have a conversation so about 
the fact that their arguments always take a form of this is biological and biological is largely unchangeable. So mm -hmm. stop applying culture to try to force people to be different. But that's just not the way any of this works. Like right. biology is quite mutable and it is changed radically in the past 40,000 years as a result of culture. So right. like to say we shouldn't do this because it's hard is just a lazy sort of like we've clearly been able to domesticate ourselves as a species very effectively. So I'm not sure why we have to stop right at this particular moment <laughs> in history. But, but it's all in the same one in the same person a lot of the time. So it's yeah. these folks, it's Steven Pinker mm -hmm. that just worship at the altar of their version of the Enlightenment, mm -hmm. which would be as kind of cultural <laughs> as anything else. And then at the same time, revert to biological determinism and say that everybody who isn't a biological determinist is some kind of blank slater, um, which nobody actually is. And so you can't have your kind of, you know, everything's getting better be because yay civilization take. Mm -hmm. at, and then at the same time, say women shouldn't wear makeup because it. <laughs> It, 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 you know, portends orgasm and people won't be able to work <laughs> together, in, in, you know, in the office. It, it, so it's and like forced monogamy reduces incels. That's right. right exactly. How do you have both of those takes at the same time? <laughs> the same person, you know, either everything's biologically determined or we are turning into some great, you know, transhumanist singularity that's solving all the problems of the universe. Yeah. And if you want to make a middle point, like it's a lot harder to change these things than the left sometimes thinks it is, or there are costs that the sure, left is not absolutely. being honest about. Like we we need to have that conversation, but let's not pretend that like having that conversation is itself a moral evil in some way. That's a good point. Yeah, so. there's no, there's absolutely no proportionality, and that's what gives it away that they're pushing for something else, right? This whole bowing down to biology, even when it's not accurately biology it reminds me of people saying that it's unnatural for two men or two women to be attracted to each other because biologically we're not made like that you know something stupid like that it seems like a repackaged form of conservatism that's being pushed and this is kind of why i gravitated towards the atheist scene because to, for me rejecting religion, leaving behind religion as a woman, uh, you know, who grew up in Saudi Arabia, it came from pushing back against the status quo. It came from my progressivism. And then slowly, slowly, I got entangled in something that was really absolutely not doing that. In fact, it was just uh, polishing up the same shit and, and selling it back to you again. So when I see, like, ex-Muslims that have embraced Peterson... It is so sad to me that that they are taking these traditional gender roles on now because this guy said it, not the imam in Saudi, but now this guy's selling it. To be fair, they're just in accordance with Jungian archetypes. So, mm. you know, I mean, what what are you going to do, right? <laughs> so. it, it's why it's why we have a moral obligation, I think, to build alternative communities, to build spaces where people who share these interests can go when they don't want you know if, if they're going to call us religion then we'll call them religion back and say like mm -hmm. when they when their people start to fall away from the their dogmas right and if they have places to go they're much more likely to 
move away from those things, I think, more effectively. So I think part of what we need to do that, that the intellectual dark web, I feel like, fails to do is provide a positive message to go along with a critique of other people, right? They mm-hmm. something something more than just clean your room is what I'm saying. Like we need to Especially when your room is fucking dirty. <laughs> Dirtier than a communist, apparently. <laughs> There's actually Jordan Peterson in his room on video, filth all around him. Have you seen them the side by side with that and Sezik where it's <laughs> his uh, room is cleaner. Super clean. <laughs> yeah. I want to uh, tie this back to our earlier points about um, uh, the, the, our critique of the coddling of the American mind, because it is that uh, listening to perspectives that you know are are maybe quiet right now, and you may have to shut up to be able to hear what they say. You may have to step back. That's that's really missing from that. So if you mm-hmm. if you've accepted a certain view of biology right now, and um, if you think about um, how that's not actually the same biology that existed. 20 years ago, um, how what we think about different sexual orientations is, uh, is is really different now. And even some, like, you know, like Jordan Peterson concedes that he's gay and lesbian people should, should live their lives, uh, um, even though he questions uh, their ability to parent their own children. Right, exactly. Um, but um, but see, even Jordan Peterson has developed uh, or has taken on more contemporary views uh, about about human biology and human sexuality. But then it stops, right? Then it doesn't mm-hmm. go any further. So if you notice, though, that this has developed, this has changed, and what does it? Uh, how how are you stopping it from developing and changing further with with sort of digging into your deterministic ideas um, and that's where you have to listen to other people that's where this sort of like you have to recognize that this aggressive uh, language around snowflakes and around you're being coddled is actually shutting people up from being able to teach you new perspectives I think that's a really great point Katya and I think it ties to what um, Matt was saying about the sort of focus on the enlightenment view of truth one of the other major things I see a lot in the fight between these groups is that they think that grievance studies are bad because they don't focus on empirical quantifiable data they focus on personal narratives and like what you're describing that kind of cultural change that happens often happens not because we get this new set of data that proves that gays are good if they get married or acceptable if they get married it's that people see lived experiences and we get more of this accumulation of healthy lives being lived this way and that changes people's perspective and I think we need to be more willing to step up and defend and say that kind of truth is valuable truth Um, and it, it can be hard because a lot of us are often coming from places where that kind of argument is used to justify religious testimony that can be very problematic but I think that we have to be honest that we can, that, that the, the viewpoint that we can solve all of these problems without listening to personal testimony and without listening to lived experiences is itself again a kind of tribal narrative that sure. blocks out large pieces of information yeah yeah okay so on a sort of last note what do you guys make generally about the rise of publications like Quillette about the rise of people like Peterson and about the fall of people like Milo if you could just one by one let me know your thoughts I think they're 
always has been and always will be a market for things that tell you what you want to hear and that the way that you've always thought and always done thing is actually the right way. And so I actually see Quillette as one big giant self-esteem booster for the people that complain about the self-esteem coddling generation. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And so it's just the the same thing. Uh, right, well, the same people. thing with Jordan Peterson. It's like, you know what? You're a bro that loves working out in the gym, and that's, like, actually the greatest kind of person that there is. And, you know, and, and now you can, you know, sit around and talk with other like-minded bros about how great it is and how terrible people that might want to live differently, you know, are. Um, so that's how I take that kind of thing. I, I see it as just, you know, for those who used to be on top just by virtue of their, quote, identity, now aren't quite as on top as they once were. This is just a reaffirmation that, no, that was the way things should be. And so that's an attractive thing for those types. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of Milo, um, I think, I mean, obviously the Schadenfreude I experienced in seeing that he's broke <laughs> is just... It's delicious. It's a chef's kiss moment. <laughs> but it proves that that deplatforming of, of not legitimate good faith, you know, people that want to have a conversation, but just a, pr- professional provocateurs who are grifters and want to raise money for themselves. Deplatforming of people like that sometimes works. And if there's less Milo going around, that's better for everybody, conservative and progressive alike, I think. Uh, and so having institutions shut down that kind of grift uh, strikes me as a good thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm wondering, too, about how the place of um, mainstream journalism can be both strengthened and improved um, and how journalism itself can be improved because I don't think the answer, I mean, much as I sort of from a free speech perspective support the development and creation of uh, fringe publications, we need, as a a democratic society, we really need reliable, investigative and uh, serious journalism. Yes, I agree. Uh, Yeah, I definitely agree with what what both y'all are saying and I guess to tie it together, when I uh, I, I snicker at Quillet because I agree it is sort of a back it is a, it's a back padding machine um <laughs> but like you know there is a market for that sense of meaning and community and so i think the role of journalism the role of the left the role of all of us is to create a a functional alternative and continue to promote that alternative and where possible try to reach out to the people who are feeling uh, an existential crisis and grab them before they get pulled into a different cult because Mm -hmm. you know I, i don't think there's anything like living outside of tribalism so you either give someone a healthy tribal narrative uh-huh. to work with or that, that that void will be filled by an unhealthy one sure yeah and that's so true it seems that even rejecting your traditional forms of tribalism doesn't does not make you immune to it right you just latch on to something else if you've rejected religion and its official forms you'll pick it up in it's sam harris form or a small and new form and are those better? I don't know. And then, like, one thing I will add there is that, like, 
I, I do think some things are better and worse. We didn't get to talk about how, like, I do think that there are differences in values between the left and the right that are objective and, like, aren't going to be resolved just because people think that if everyone talks nicely enough, we'll all agree about these things. There are fundamental differences that we face that aren't getting better right now. Um, right. And I think that we do need to emphasize that. And so folks on the left need to stick to our guns, that the problem is not that we've gone too far in our beliefs. It's that we need to continue to modernize our messaging. And and when we push for that, that's when it can feel particularly unstable, right? Even though we might be mm-hmm. making positive changes, you, Aaron, sent me a good article by Ezra Klein, who was refuting one of these anti-SJWs, and the quote was this. It, this speaks to a paradox of American politics. It often feels most stable when it is least just, and it often feels least stable when progress is being made. So yeah, when minorities are just shutting the fuck up and not pushing back, then it might, to someone on top of that that hierarchy, it might feel like everything's stable because nobody's pushing for their rights. Mm Well, we think about, people think about today, it's like worse than it's ever been. But I mean, if you think about like summer of 68 or something, you know, when MLK is assassinated and RFK is assassinated and there are race riots and there are riots in the streets against Vietnam. I mean, most people, even the IDW, etc., are super happy that the social and cultural changes that were brought out of those movements have happened. Um, but at the time, you know, while they were pushing for this, the, the equal, you know, um, all of this sort of civil rights legislation that LBJ passed, for example, uh, it was tremendously chaotic and divisive. And well, you know, these imagine- would be the people that would right. be criticizing the people that were pushing for those. Exactly. Imagine if there had been Twitter. <laughs> During the march on Washington, right, or or the lunch counter sit-ins and things like this. I mean, it's uh, you know, in a way, thank God there wasn't <laughs> Twitter then. But but uh, I think that's a great quote because uh, I think our perspective certainly reflects that. I just also wanted to point out that Ezra Klein, who had this conversation with Sam Harris a while back about race and IQ and Charles Murray, and he he did a great job pushing back against him. And uh, uh, if anyone hasn't heard it or read it, the Mm -hmm. transcript is up. You can check it out. I'll link it in the show notes. But it's funny because after this, I believe Sam Harris, he went on to call Vox and Salon journalists, uh, people who have the same moral integrity as the KKK, moral and intellectual integrity, I believe. (sighs) That's ridiculous. And yeah, <laughs> he's called him far left, like, you know, he's painted him as this really ridiculous, radical, hardcore lefty. And Ezra Klein is absolutely not that. In fact, he was saying to Haidt how how he's a fan of his work and stuff. And it, he just sounds nothing like he's been painted. If you're listening to that um, echo chamber, you're not going to really have a... Any idea of where people lie on the political spectrum? Because everyone is a far-left lunatic. Well, it's, it's like how people on the right often trot out, like, Bill Maher as the example of this leftist that they yeah. want to know. But this, this complete, like, lack of awareness of, of, of where people actually fall on the spectrum. Yeah, I'm sure, mean, it, I'm sure it affects both sides. I, I used to be a big Bill Maher fan, and I had a lot of time for his uh, critiques of 
religion, but slowly, slowly, as I've grown out of that sort of edgy phase, I've noticed that he's he's gotten worse or I've gotten more aware, but his like praising of Milo, his focus on SJWs still in this climate is just been appalling to me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, <laughs> context matters, like we said, you know, and, and, and if you think with Trump pre- being president, that SJWs and like campus anti free speech quote movements are the problem. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they're, that's they're the, the symptom. They're not the cause. That's that's why I really like that as recline quote is that it's <laughs> the intellectual dark web, I think, puts the cart before the horse and claiming that it's the breakdown of civility that's leading to radicalization when, in fact, the polarization is the thing that is happening in response to increasing problems that don't show up in their sort of right. better world metrics, as it were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. So, any right. final thoughts, anyone? It was uh, lovely to meet you all. Yeah, this has been great. Yeah, I'm happy to meet you all on the interwebs. <laughs> yeah, it was lovely chatting with all of you. I'll just uh, close with some ridiculous uh, anti-SJW quotes I came across, you know? Excellent. <laughs> there was one that I saw on a Nuclear Takes account, I believe, where it said, Some countries have ISIS. Others have SJWs. Okay. <laughs> totally. How many? How many uh, SJWs have thrown people off of academic buildings? Yeah. What, what's the like, level of military organization? Yeah. <laughs> how all these murder is? videos we keep putting out. Too. Yeah. Oh, that's one of the paradoxes that I love <laughs> is that it's the, the the Schrodinger's SJW who's simultaneously <laughs> far too fragile to engage in any right. sort of conflict, but is an overwhelming threat as a person who will stand you will shout you down at any given moment like which one is it right well it's like it's like the 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 gender studies departments that can't even get a meeting with the vice president at the university let alone funding are also secretly running the entire academy in the world um (laughs) are they too pc or are they too mean and turning people into nazis with their meanness which one is it (laughs) it's true um yeah, then there was one that I came across. I would l- rather live in Hitler's Germany than Merkel's. Oh my gosh. Well, you, I, can, you can just, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you can go, you, you know, you can actually go there and visit and find out. Um, <laughs> then there was one yeah, from, absurd. One oh from an ex Muslim, unfortunately, that I got, like, who was saying that <laughs> Islam is so bad, at least the Nazis were better because they were pro science. Mm. Um, Say what you will about national socialism, at least it's an ethos. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, okay. So, happy dressers. <laughs> it's me true. Th- really good fashion. Yeah. <laughs> architecture. Well, boss boss yeah. designed their uniforms, right? Spear, Spear knew his architecture. <laughs> I think I have three episodes on fascist fashion if you guys are interested with ContraPoints. So. I'm, a big, I'm a big fan. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Are campus SJWs destroying Western civilization? Last thing I want you guys to answer. What is Western civilization would be my uh, postmodernist neo-Marxist answer. <laughs> right. I mean, I think no, because Western civilization is going to beat them to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd say yes. In the sense that Western civilization is a curriculum for 19th century gentlemen and uh, SJWs are destroying it in the sense that 
We're no longer in the 19th century, and good academics reflect that. <laughs> I will see you outside, Mr. Darcy. Yeah. <laughs> I can referee. Wow, women, women present at a duel, excuse me? <laughs> all right, well, guys, it was lovely chatting with you all. Um, thanks for having thanks me. To you. Yeah, we'll chat again, hopefully, someday. Yeah, thanks Thank very much. And best of luck in the coming weeks, Ina. This is... Uh, oh, thank mm, you. Yeah. Big yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, lots of changes. I don't know yeah. what's going to happen. My yeah, I hear it gets be. different from here on out. Yeah, things yeah. change with... The <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank It'll you. It'll be a new civilization for you. Definitely. <laughs> and it's Western boy, or so yeah. I'm going to indoctrinate him with, you know feminism and all these you know feed him lots of soy definitely yeah, not yes. allowed to call him him for the first couple of years you know that right <laughs> did you just assume his gender <laughs> yeah okay all right you know this is all gonna be like there for him to live this is what i i'm like it's so strange because my kid can go back and listen to my opinions and it's just weird if it makes yeah, you feel better from what podcasting parents tell me they won't you don't have to worry yes yeah, they're true. never going to that's true my yeah, parents my never listen so that's true yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right take care guys thanks for listening to another episode of polite conversations you can support this podcast by sharing the shit out of it making some noise about it or contributing via patreon patreon.com forward slash nice mangoes no ian mangoes also, you can follow me on Twitter at NiceMangoes. If you want to make a one-time donation instead of a monthly Patreon one, you can do so via PayPal, nicemangoes.blog at gmail.com. Remember, no E in mangoes. If you've got an interesting story and would potentially like to be a guest, you can email me there too.